0: with Jay blessed is a transparent look into the life and mind of a Caribbean woman having human experiences get into my mind as I share my most vulnerable thoughts and honest experiences I'll take you on a roller coaster of emotions as you get to know someone who might share similar experiences with you some might make you speechless you'll definitely laugh others might make you angry and some might even but my very real, very raw, very relatable weekly podcast will always keep you coming back for more. Join me as I talk to myself, talk to you, and even talk to some special friends in my head. (laughs) In my head is an introspective look from a voyeuristic point of view. For a list of all my social channels and how you can connect with this episode's summary. To join in on the conversation, use the hashtag headwithjb. That's H-E-A-D-W-I-T-H-J-B. And follow me on Instagram at realjblessed and Twitter at jblessed. Let's get in on the conversation together. Don't forget to log on to my official website, jbless.com. A human experience from a Caribbean perspective. And episode 18 pain so real you want to die today's show is heavy heavy but necessary so before i dive in i want to prepare you for the content ahead today i'm talking about a subject we often overlook skim over or absolutely ignore the gravity of how fragile the human mind really is. Today, I'm talking about suicide. In my head. Hey fam, how you feeling? No, like, how you really feeling? (laughs) The season is changing, the kids are back to school, so tell me, how are you really, really feeling? Um... How am I feeling? Uh, I'm okay. I've been having some blah days, um, but but I'm okay and I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. This morning, I actually woke up. I was startled out of my sleep because um, my window was open. And when I looked outside, I saw what seemed like a family of three digging through the garbage for bottles. And it's like four o'clock in the morning And they're talking and laughing and they're just trying to get bottles from all the neighborhood houses. And I looked out my window and watched them with this trolley and cart pushing bags and bags of bottles. And I'm like, yo, if they can get up at 2, 3, 4 in the morning and go hustle to get bottles for money, then what the fuck is my excuse? I have nothing to complain about I have absolutely nothing to complain about and that inspired me this morning I'm like yo I really need to be on my grind because I ain't got no excuses (laughs) I ain't got no excuses and neither do you once you have life you have another chance and um, before I begin Uh, On this very heavy episode, I just want to share some very happy news. (laughs) Thank you to my peers who nominated me for I Will Be Receiving a 2019 Caribbean Life Impact Award from the legendary Caribbean Life newspaper this November. The Caribbean Impact Awards recognizes outstanding New Yorkers of Caribbean heritage who are making tangible, measurable impact in the Caribbean community. These individuals will represent the best of the Caribbean diaspora from education, finance, nonprofit, marketing, retail, and everything in between. According to Caribbean Life, they said, We will honor Caribbean Americans who, through perseverance and hard work, have realized the American dream and who have brought a sense of Caribbean pride along with them. Thank you so very much, fam. Thank you so very much, fam. Thank you so very much, fam. I appreciate you. I appreciate every single one of you who nominated me. That really, that really made my day. (laughs) Thank you also to Dr. Cindy Duke, whose episode, Will I Ever Have a Child, was packed with a wealth of knowledge. We managed to do that in an hour. Let me tell y'all. Woo, child. (laughs) I can talk about it now. (laughs) So... so, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> G's laughing. <laughs> and Benoir's in the studio so shout out to Benoir. So he had we had a um so normally we do a preview of the episodes but last week was the first time we had outtakes. So people were kind of confused like what the hell? She sounded like Pastor Stuart Ralph cousin. But let me give you the context as to why I was cursing. <laughs> why I was so frustrated. So for those of you who follow me on Instagram, you know the story. But for everyone else, uh, Dr. Cindy's episode, as soon as we finished interviewing her, the entire application crashed. Everything. Everything seemingly gone. And oh my God, my heart sank. G heart sank. Like Dr. Cindy was like, no, don't worry about it. This was just a test run. And in my mind, and I'm talking to G like how can we ever replicate this? That was a powerful episode. Like, it just flowed. It was amazing. She gave so much information. And G looked so disappointed. He's like, Jay, I'm sorry. I'm like, it's okay. This is a teachable moment. I hugged G. I love the studio. I woke outside and I sat quiet. I was like, Lord, <laughs> why? This was the episode. So I called Benor. Um, who always likes to wear this invisible Superman cape? He was like, Don't worry, I'll call, <laughs> I'll call G. <laughs> so he called G, and voila, we got the episode. So at the end of episode 17, when I was cussing, it was because I came back like three hours later into the studio, and all of a sudden I couldn't read properly. I had to read everything like five, six times over, and I was like, Fuck this shit, I'm done. <laughs> Uh, but I'm so grateful. Dr. Cindy's episode um, really was powerfully informative, especially for those who are struggling with fertility issues and, and 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 especially our men. You know, she spoke to our men and their mental health because they also suffer that loss. Right. So a special thank you to Dr. Cindy for the work that you are passionately doing around the world. So before I get into the meat of this episode, I want to randomly acknowledge the people who take the time out after listening to the podcast to leave a positive review. I appreciate the love so, 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 so very much. Thank you so much for everyone that goes on Apple Podcasts and leaves a review. And you know what? I just wanted to randomly shout out some people. So much love to Lizzie Ginger who wrote... Best podcast I've listened to. Each episode is packed with value and great content. Jay, blessed. You are truly blessed. Your realness and vulnerability is your superpower. Continue to inspire and ignite others. Thank you so much. rain m that's my honey i love her shout out to rain rain took time out of her day to leave a comment she said i love in my head with jay blessed as a caribbean american woman this podcast speaks directly to me the unique issues i face the nuances of my life and culture jay blessed is amazing very happy she created a space for women like me in the podcast world thank you so much honey." Pink Rose wrote, "This is a real raw gem of a podcast." Thank you so much, Jay, for committing to this and the help it is putting out in the community. Um, shout out to Khalil Wonder of Reggae Lover Podcast, uh, which I was a. Uh, guest on recently he took time out to leave some love and khalil said all substance and no filler a podcast by an expert in her field who lets you know that she's a real person each and every episode the result is you feel informed empowered and inspired now go and be the best human that you can be (laughs) i love that and one more shout out to my girl k Sword 29 um this one really touched me as well she wrote Amazing, amazing, amazing. You are so transparent and raw. And even when it takes a toll on you, you still plow through because you know someone needs to hear your testimony. You are strong, you are honest, you are blessed. This is an arm of therapy for me. So many gems dropped in every episode. Continue being the magnificent being you are. Continue being the magnificent being you are. Hmm. What if I told you that most of the times I don't really feel magnificent? What if I told you that most of the time I am struggling to stay in the game and to keep pushing? Let's get into episode 18. Pain's so real, you want to die. In my Suicide is no respect to a person's gay, straight, bi, or trans, rich, middle class, poor, corporate employee, farm worker, skinny, curvy, overweight, married, single, widowed, politician, pastor, convict, good person, healthy person, terminally ill, U.S. citizen, immigrant, were they from Europe, Asia, the continent, the Caribbean, superstar, or regular Joe? Suicide respects no one. September is Suicide Prevention Month. This year, September 8th through fourteen, we recognize National Suicide Prevention Week, which is an annual week-long campaign in the United States to inform and engage health professionals and the general public about suicide prevention and warning signs of suicide. And during that week, last week, two people whom everyone would never expect to take their lives did. According to the Philadelphia Inquirer, on Monday, September 8th, Gregory Ils, age 52, the Executive Director of Counseling and Psychological Services at the University of Pennsylvania, jumped to his death on Monday morning from the 17th floor of a Center City, Philadelphia building. He came to UPenn six months ago to lead the department that counsels students with mental health problems. He had come from Cornell University, where he worked for more than a decade and was an expert on resilience. Then later on in that evening, on the West Coast, Jared Wilson, a California church leader, author, and mental health advocate, died by suicide on Monday evening. He was 30 years old. The Washington Post wrote, Wilson, known as a passionate preacher, most recently was an associate pastor at Mega Church Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, A co-founder of the mental health nonprofit Anthem of Hope, Wilson was open about his depression, often posting on his social media accounts about his battles with a mental illness. The Washington Post article continues that there is a rise in a number of high profile suicides among pastors and people in the mental health community, end quote. Last Tuesday was also World Suicide Prevention Day, and for the rest of the week, these news really affected me. You know, reading about people who have mental health resources and they know God, yet still feeling so hopeless that they chose that option had me feeling so emotionally overwhelmed, thinking if they could do it, then what hope do other people have? According to new figures from the World Health Organization, one person dies every 40 seconds from suicide. On Friday, September 13th, I was scheduled to record this episode, uh, but I couldn't get out of my bed. (laughs) The heavy weight of my thoughts just consumed me. I woke up sad and deeply depressed and in a very dark place. Um, heavily emotionally overwhelmed. And so I took all the little strength I had, I pulled myself together, I took my meds, I got into the shower, and I bawled my eyes out. <sighs> Trying to douse the fire burning in my head. Or at least wash away the pain I felt in my heart. Man, I'm so sorry guys. I do struggle with depression. I do suffer with suicidal thoughts. And I do find myself in very, very dark places. I heard Pastor Kay Warren, wife of um, Rick Warren, who both lost their son in 2013 by suicide, say that suicide is not the unforgivable sin. We are often so quick to judge people who hurt themselves because they are deeply hurting, yet so easy to forgive people who are constantly wickedly hurting others. Back in January this year, I had someone I love weaponized my fragile heightened state of depression and seasonal effects of depression and stood by while his woman screamed through my phone, slit your wrist, slit your throat, kill yourself, bitch. A month later, Michelle Carter, a Massachusetts woman who sent her suicidal boyfriend a barrage of text messages urging him to kill himself, was jailed on an involuntary manslaughter conviction nearly five years after he died in a truck filled with toxic gas. People are evil. They knew I was on the edge, they wanted me to kill myself, but I won't give them the fucking satisfaction. Fuck you. In my head. Suicide is a leading cause of death in the United States. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Leading Causes of Death reports in 2017. Suicide was the 10th leading cause of death overall in the United States, claiming the lives of 47,000 people. Suicide was the second leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of 10 and 34, and the fourth leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of 35 and 54. In 2017, men died by suicide 3.5 times more than women. I don't mean to dampen you with um, such morbid news, but suicide ideations are the reality for many people today, including people you know, maybe even you. I just want to encourage you to talk about it. I had mentioned earlier that last Friday, 13th, I was scheduled to record this episode. And with the news of suicide in the atmosphere, I was just overwhelmed, emotionally heavy. You know, that day I called my friends so much love to Carrie and Benor and Sonia, Fernando, Jennifer, Courtney and Auntie Sheila for strengthening me when I felt so weak. But it was Maya that did it for me. Maya came home on Friday from school, and after a hard day, I was waiting to welcome her. I hugged her tightly and kissed her when she arrived. I put on my best strong mommy demeanor and chatted with her about her day. I got to the kitchen, and I opened the fridge door, and as she's standing behind the door, Maya says, Mom, you know I love you, right? (laughs) So I say, yes, baby, I love you too. She's like, no, Mom, I really love you and i'm looking at her in her face and then she repeats mom i really 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 love you and she started crying i held on to my baby so tightly like life depended on it because in that moment it actually did i rocked my baby in my arms and bawled with her too just Praising God and thanking God for this beautiful gift he has blessed me with. Oh, how I love my child. Oh, how I could ever leave my child. There's no love like a mother's love. Though I may not experience this physically from my own, I'm able to give my daughter this love inside of me. I can't leave her. My daughter brought me back to reality on a day that she didn't even know I was on the edge. Tiptoeing on the edge. In my head. I thought about taking my life many times. (laughs) I've attempted to take my life many times. (laughs) Uh, But all of my attempts were weak in comparison to my truly deep desire to live. I just couldn't. You know, like. I punked out and I know it's because as much as my head was telling me just do it just do it deep down inside of me I know that I shouldn't that I couldn't that I needed to be here I talk about mental wellness a lot but when you've become so far gone mentally suicide seems like the best option right being consumed with suicidal ideations is a very 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 dark place to be Some might view the act of suicide as an easy and selfish way out, but for many who have given in to those demons, they often look at suicide as a way of freeing others from the burden of them. For us who have fought off and continuing daily to fight off suicidal thoughts, these thoughts are formed in the darkest places of our minds that we wish we could turn off. But I'm so proud of you for tuning it out. I'm so proud of you that you're still in the game. I'm so proud of you for being a punk not to go through with that. I'm so proud that you're choosing to live. Imagine reaching so low internally, feeling so lost, so unloved, so broken, so pained that you think your only option is to take your life. There's a very thin line between sanity and insanity, and I have danced on that line a few times. <laughs> um, but I wanted to share something with you. I am working on my first book, and uh, I want to share an excerpt from my upcoming book, I Choose Me. I was hurting so badly. I couldn't even express the depths of my pain, I couldn't even explain to anyone. For fear, they just brush away my very valid and very real unexplainable feelings. I felt it in my chest, this hollowed sadness, a pang of pain that would ring every time a memory, an article of clothing, a familiar scent hit my consciousness. I tried to explain the hurt I was feeling, but no one understood. So I cried every day and every night. For I understood, in the midst of all this uncertainty and unimaginable pain, God understood. He knew what every sob, every sniffle, every weep, every groan, every moan, every exhale meant. Crying was my release. It was also a form of worship. For God understood the language of my tears. So I cried. There'd be nights I would soak my pillow and cry until my eyes were swollen, unable to stop. I had to release what I was feeling, and though sometimes I didn't quite know what I was feeling, I knew I needed to let it out. Nights would turn to mornings and afternoons to evenings, and the cycle would continue for days, for weeks. I'd slipped into depression, this time so dark, so lonely, and so scary that I was totally immobile, afraid to move, For fear, I'd hurt myself. I felt worthless. I felt hopeless. I felt scared. I felt unloved. I felt uncertain. I felt broken. I felt weak. Too weak to even get out of bed. My nights were quiet torture as my thoughts spun and consumed me in the stillness as my mornings turned into mornings. It wasn't just a breakup or being alone or finding a new normal or learning to breathe again. It was much deeper. A pain that predated every man I had ever loved. A sadness that was formed in my mother's womb. I realized that I would never really knew how to love because I wasn't conceived out of love and was later born into rejection. My mother was 15 when my 17-year-old father denied I was his. I wasn't wanted or welcomed. I was born out of shame and denial. My depression was genetic as I inherited my young virgin mother's sadness and pain of being a pregnant teenage dropout with a baby father who didn't want her child. I thought I knew what love was, but I was finally coming to terms with the fact that I had an idea of the principles, but never really had a solid foundation in the practice. In my According to the New York State Health Department, suicides are the second leading cause of death due to injuries among all age groups in New York State. The second. The second. <sighs> the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention um, gave out some data and they said that this was the most accurate that they have Um, and it was estimated that the numbers would actually be higher, but stigma surrounding suicide often leads to underreporting and data collection methods critical to suicide prevention. According to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. In 2017, 47,173 Americans died by suicide. In 2017, there were an estimated 1,400,000 suicide attempts. In 2015, suicide and self-injury cost the U.S. $69 billion. It's hard when someone you love takes their own life. It's difficult to wrap your mind around the why Why? Why? Why would she do that? Why couldn't he just talk to me? Why would she leave her kids like that without a mom? Why didn't she tell me she needed help? Why didn't I see the signs, the why? I had a close relative attempt suicide and had to have their stomach pumped. I was in my pre-teens and so confused, so hurt, so traumatized by the experience mean this person didn't love me enough to stay here for me? But now in my adulthood, I have a different perspective as I suffer with depression. Mental illness is layered. It's chemical, emotional, mental, physical, and even spiritual. I'm just a mental health advocate, not a mental health professional, but I can say that suicide is often triggered by severe emotional trauma, stress from reoccurring events or maybe just one event and like Allie spoke of her experience on episode 14 and sometimes sometimes it's just chemical. The mind is a very very fragile place to dwell in. In Pastor Jared's last tweet he posted this, loving Jesus doesn't always cure suicidal thoughts. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure depression. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure PTSD. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure anxiety. But that doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't offer us companionship and comfort. He always does that. The why. Why would he leave his wife and his two sons behind? Why? Why would he leave his family and his friends? Why? Why would he leave behind a congregation that admired his strength? Why would he leave behind people who believed in his mission of helping others cope with mental illness through his organization anthem of hope why in doing my research i read the comments and a common statement made by many people is that suicide is a selfish act while there is merit in that statement it is not completely true for the person committing the act as someone who's battled with suicidal thoughts your mind tells you that the world would be better off without you And to save your family from the burden and stress and shame of you, you'd rather end your life. There was one particular post on Twitter that got my attention as she seemed incensed that a pastor who's supposed to be saved would be so selfish. He must have never even loved God at all to leave his wife and babies behind. Her tweets were venomous, but pained. I had to respond to one of her tweets, which I stated... This right here is so problematic. Mental illness is just that, an illness, one manifesting in the physical and even spiritual. Would you blame a cancer patient who's been severely suffering and wants out? Would you say they were selfish because they couldn't live with the pain anymore? Until you've been in the mind of someone who's daily, privately, silently battling with their own minds, how dare you speak on that? As Dr. Sims said in episode four, mental illness is like diabetes. Some people can just exercise to manage while other cases are so severe they need to be on insulin and closely monitored. Most of those who need to be closely monitored though, rarely look like people who should be admitted into the psych ward. No, they are sometimes the one who seem to have everything going for them. They look like your brother, your mother, your best friend, your boss, Your girlfriend, your husband, they look like me. New York State Senator David Colucci recently called for a state black youth suicide prevention task force. The Senate Mental Health and Developmental Disabilities Community Chair said, open quote, youth suicide must be addressed. We are seeing unprecedented numbers, and this crisis is affecting our young black children at an alarming rate. We need experts to address factors that could be contributing so we can best tailor our suicide prevention methods. I urge the governor to sign this critical piece of legislation into law, end quote. Legislation s4467 six seven four zero is sponsored by Colucci and Assemblywoman Kimberly Jean-Pierre to establish a task force made up of mental health experts. Passed the full legislature in June and is now awaiting the governor's signature to be signed into law. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for ages 10 through 24, and the suicide rate for black children increased 77% from 2006 to 2016, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. New research funded by the National Institute of Mental Health has shown that the suicide rate is roughly two times higher for black children ages 5 through 12. Five! Five! We have five-year-old children wanting to kill themselves. Five-year-old children wanting to take their lives. It's two times higher for black children age 5 through 12 compared with white children of the same age group. Results that were observed in both males and females. Although researchers were able to examine suicide rates, the data did not include information on what might be contributing to the age-related racial disparities in suicide. The task force will examine, evaluate, and determine remedies for improving mental health and preventing suicide among Black children ages 5 to 18 years old. It will be comprised of appointees with expertise in fields of disciplines related to mental health as well as knowledge of issues affecting Black communities. Public hearings, the gathering of testimony, and investigations will take place as a task force deems necessary with a preliminary report on its findings, conclusions, and recommendations due to the governor and legislature within 13 months. Source, the New York State Senate Newsroom. Here are some more alarming stats from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Based on the 2017 Youth Risk Behavior Survey, 7.4% of youth in grades 9 through 12 reported that they had made at least one suicide attempt in the last 12 months. Female students attempted almost twice as often as male students, 9.3% versus 5.1%. Black students reported the highest rate of attempt, 9.8%, with white students at 6.1%. Approximately 2.4% of all students reported making a suicide attempt that required treatment by a doctor or nurse. For those requiring treatment, rates were highest for black students at 3.4%. Dr. Michael Lindsay, executive director of the NYU McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research, recently stated at last week's Congressional Black Caucus Foundation's ALC 2019 meetup the need to break down how implicit bias causes schools to overlook black youth's mental health problems, saying that, open quote, black kids are demonized and suspended for behavioral issues, and therein lies the school-to-prison pipeline. He continued, Our youth are crying out for help, but the question is, is anyone listening? Black teen suicide rates increased 60% for males and 182% for females between 2001 to 2017. I don't even want to read any more of these goddamn stats. Suicide is the fourth leading cause of death in black youth ages 10 to 14, and the third leading cause of death in black youth ages 15 to 19. Dr. Lindsey continued and said, youth suicide must be addressed. This crisis is affecting our black children at an alarming rate. We need experts to address factors that could be contributing to tailor our suicide prevention methods. If you see a troubling change in behavior, open a line of communication with your child. Are you paying attention? Or do you think it can't happen to your child? Do you go through their backpack? Do you ask them how their day was? Do you know if they're being bullied in school? Do you really, really know what's going on with your child? When was the last time you had a conversation? Do you sit and have dinner with your child? Do you spend time with your child? When was the last time you saw your child? I saw a meme floating around on Instagram by an unknown author and it stated five myths of suicide. One, black people don't die by suicide. Obviously, that's bullshit based on all the stats I just gave you, especially with our children. Two, suicide is the ultimate act of selfishness. I've already told you about this shit. And in the mind of the quote-unquote sinner, they believe they're actually doing their loved ones a great service by removing themselves. So have some fucking compassion. Three, asking someone if they're suicidal will make them suicidal. On the contrary, asking someone if they're suicidal opens up the dialogue for you to offer help. There is a mental crisis going on right now. Even in the NYPD, nine cops have taken their lives for the year. Do you know on over an average uh, career that an officer would encounter about 188 traumatic experiences leading to deteriorating mental health, of course, right? 188 traumatic experiences. All it takes is one. All it takes is one experience to throw you off the edge. Can you imagine? Having to see trauma after trauma after trauma after trauma, going to the scene of a crime and seeing dead bodies after dead bodies after dead bodies and hearing the stories, can you imagine how that plays into your psyche? According to Miriam Heyman, uh, the NYPD is aware of this epidemic and the fact that officers often do not seek help because of cultural stigmas and risk of losing their jobs. Number four, people attempt suicide for attention. This is another big misconception. Promises of suicide from an individual isn't about attention, but more about help. It's a constant cry for help. Are you listening? Are you paying attention? Are you offering help? And last, number five, people who are suicidal always look depressed. Bullshit. I remember every time I saw Mr. Lowell Hawthorne, former CEO and founder of Golden Crust Bakery, he was an upbeat guy who always had a smile on his face, which puzzled everyone for they could not grasp why This very successful husband and father of four and co-founder of the largest owned Caribbean food franchise in the world with over 120 Golden Crust retail outlets across the United States and Canada would, on December 2nd, 2017, sit in his office, put a gun to his head, and pull the trigger. I warned you um that this episode would be heavy um but i need you to um listen to it in its entirety i also need you to share it with a friend i also want you to play it in your house for your teens to hear it's okay that occurs they watch shows all the time for cussing on it they'll be fine I want you to play it loud on your speakers for your kids to hear. If you are unsure what suicide looks like or what those symptoms might be, let me me show you the signs of someone who is suicidal. Excessive sadness or moodiness. Long-lasting sadness and mood swings and unexpected rage. That's a sign. Another sign is hopelessness. Feeling a deep sense of hopelessness about the future with little expectations that circumstances can improve. Sleep problems. Either sleeping too much or not sleeping at all. Sudden calmness. Suddenly becoming calm after a period of depression or moodiness can be a sign that the person has made a decision to end his or her life. Withdrawal. Choosing to be alone and avoiding friends or social activities are also possible symptoms of depression and a leading cause of suicide. This includes the loss of interest or pleasure in activities the person previously enjoyed. Changes in personality and or appearance. A person who's considering suicide might exhibit a change in attitude or behavior, such as speaking or moving with unusual speed or slowness. In addition, the person might suddenly become less concerned about his or her personal appearance. Dangerous or self-harmful behavior. Potentially dangerous behaviors such as reckless driving, engaging in unsafe sex, and increased use of drugs and or alcohol might indicate that the person no longer values his or her life. Recent trauma or life crisis. A major life crisis might trigger a suicide attempt crises include the death of a loved one or a pet divorce or breakup of a relationship diagnosis of a major illness loss of a job or serious financial problems making preparations often A person considering suicide will begin to put his or her personal business in order. This might include visiting friends and family members, giving away prized personal possessions, making a will, and cleaning up his or her room or home. Some people will write a note before committing suicide. Some will buy a firearm or other means like poison and threatening suicide. From 50% to 75% of those considering suicide will give someone, a relative, a friend, a warning sign. However, not everyone who is considering suicide will say so. And not everyone who threatens suicide will follow through. Every threat of suicide should be taken seriously. This comes from Recognizing Suicidal Behavior by WebMD. So how to help someone who's contemplating suicide? According to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. One, listen and show your support. Reassure them that you hear what they are saying, are taking it seriously, and that you're there with them and that you care. Say something like, I'm so glad you're telling me about how much has been going on and how you're feeling. Thank you for sharing this with me. I love you no matter what, and we're going to get through this together. Two, encourage them to keep talking. Let them know you want to hear more about how they're feeling and what they're going through. Listen actively by expressing curiosity and interest in the details ask about changes in their life and how they're coping maybe possibly say something like that situation sounds really difficult or how did that make you feel when that happened or have these thoughts led to any specific changes in your life like trouble sleeping or keeping up at work three be direct if you think someone's thinking about suicide trust your gut And ask them directly. Research shows it will not put the idea in their head or push them into action. Often, they'll be relieved someone cares enough to hear about their experience. Make sure to not sound like you're passing judgment or guilt tripping them. Reassure them that you understand and care. So say something like, does it ever get so tough you think about ending your life? I really care about you and I want you to know you can tell me anything. How to respond if they are, stay calm. Just because someone is having thoughts of suicide doesn't mean they're in immediate danger. Calmly listen to what they have to say and ask. Some follow up questions like, how often are you having these thoughts? When it gets really bad, what do you do? What scares you about these thoughts? What do you do to feel safe? Suggesting professional help. Having this supportive conversation is huge, but you're not a mental health professional. Just like I am not a mental health professional. If the person you care about has told you they're thinking of suicide, it's a warning sign that they should speak with a professional suggest by saying i hear that you're struggling and i think it would be helpful for you to talk to someone who can help you through this or you know therapy isn't just for serious clinical problems it can actually help any of us in any process any challenges we're facing and we all face serious stuff sometimes help them connect Sometimes that initial reach out can be the hardest offer to help however you feel comfortable. I can call your insurance with you or go online to find a mental health professional or substance use program. Or I could sit with you while you do it. We can figure it out together. Or I could drive or walk you to your appointment. Then we could go have coffee afterwards. Privacy. If the person you care about is worried, others will find out they're getting treatment. You can and should reassure them their concerns are mostly unfounded. And if they ask you not to tell anyone, remind them how much you care for them and their safety, which may involve asking others for help. Tell them you want them involved in the conversation and that you'll be as discreet as possible. Say something like, mental health treatment actually has even greater confidentiality safeguards than physical health treatment. Your privacy is safe with me. If they refuse, it's okay. Not everyone is ready right away. If they aren't in immediate danger, be patient and don't push too hard. Suggest. It's okay that it doesn't sound like you're ready yet, you know. I really hope you, you'll think about it. Just let me know if you change your mind and I can connect you with someone. And if they are in immediate danger, stay with them. Help them remove lethal means. Call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-TALK or text talk to 741 741 to text with a trained crisis counselor from the crisis text line for free. In In my head. I know you want the pain to stop. I know sometimes you can't even describe the pain. You just feel this is unexplainable heavy weight and you can't really like identify where it's really coming from and I, and I know you wanted to stop but you gotta let it out you have to let it out you have to let it out you must let it out God understands the language of your tears you know to the man struggling to hold it together and, and, and struggling to look strong for his family sir that out let it out let it out for the young man trying to navigate his way in this scary world cry it out for the young woman i see i see you trying to keep things together sis even under all that makeup it's okay to cry sister you, you know we've been it may endure for the night but joy comes in the morning and i know you can't see it right now because you're in the midst of the storm But i'm telling you just hold on a little bit longer i just i just need you to make it to the morning And then the next morning, and then the next morning, and the next morning, until you see that your faith wasn't in vain. You have so much to live for. Your story is not over. Please don't abort your story before you have fulfilled your purpose. I know it's hard when you I may mean, not even know what your purpose in life is and you're questioning why you're even here. Like I didn't ask myself to be here. I didn't, I didn't ask to be here. I didn't I didn't ask to be born. So, you know, I, I don't want to be here. I need you to talk to people. I need you to open your mouth. I need you to ask for help. And you may not want to say, you know, I need help. Just call someone, text someone, walk outside, get some fresh air, go around people, go to a cafe, go just don't be by yourself. It is okay to ask for help. Asking for help is a form of self-care. And being vulnerable to ask for help is one of the strongest things you could ever do in this moment. I want you to know that you're strong. Stronger than you think. You can handle it. God wouldn't give you something you can't handle. You can handle it. You're, You're stronger than you believe. Trust me. Trust me. Yeah. Me, I'm still here. I'm still in the game. I'm still fighting, and I needed to be here too. You are loved. You are valued. You are appreciated. You are beautiful. You have so much to offer. Your family needs you, and you need your family. Your children need you, and you need your children. This world is needs you I know you might not be able to see but trust me there's a special gift that is placed in you and you alone that no one else has I need you to stay in the game and I know it's hard sometimes to get out of the bed some mornings and you just feel like a walking zombie trying to get things together and just trying to make it through the end of the day but that's all I needed to do just make it through the day and then take a deep breath. And, and if you need to take a day off and not do anything, then do that too. And if you need to get away and, and go somewhere, hop on a plane and just go somewhere else and do that too. And if you need to go and be held by your mom, you know, just do that too. And if you need to go see a friend, find just whatever you need in that moment that will help you. Forget about your job. Forget about other people. Just do it. Seriously, call out sick, fuck it. The job will be your job. it's It will still be there, seriously, because if you're here or not, they're gonna find someone else either way. Like, focus on you. And if you have been having suicidal thoughts and ideations often, I encourage you to find a therapist. It's okay? to talk about the things going through your head and even the things you don't understand. That's why they are mental health professionals. And it's one of the best things you can ever do for yourself. The act of suicide is the serious potential consequence of treatable mental disorders. And you have so much to live for. So please, 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 please ask for help. If you need someone to talk to, call the National Suicide Prevention Line at 1-800-273-TALK or 1-888-NYC-WELL or even download the mobile app Talkspace and talk to someone, you know? So what's playing in my head? <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> I know it was heavy. I warned y'all. Oh, man. But what's playing in my head? I love this song. I love this song. I love this song. I need you to survive by Bishop Hezekiah Walker. I love that song. I need you. You need me. We're all a part of God's body. I need you to stay in the game. Go and listen to some gospel music after you listen to all of this. Go call up your girlfriend. Go get Manny Petty. Go do something. I needed to just like change your energy, but I wanted to shake you a bit. Like this is some real shit. And if you know someone around you that is changing in their behavior and their attitude, I want you to pay special attention to that and talk to them. You are needed. So tell me the reasons you need to stay alive. Like seriously, like don't, don't, don't punk out. Let me know, name them. For me, it's Naya and Maya. Maya and Maya and And then (laughs) y'all. Maya's my reason for staying here. What are your reasons for staying in the game? Use the hashtag HeadBitJB and let me know your thoughts. Share this episode with your friends. Make sure you download it and and share it and share it and share it and share it and share it. it it. Man, it's been been a real one today. Um, It's definitely been a real one today. I'm so grateful that you... Stay through the entire episode. And for that, I want to thank you so much for listening to In.